Hello, everybody. Welcome to Midnight Radio. I am your host, Jerry Adams, and I'm broadcasting to you from Halloween. Good morning, everybody. Today, I have some stories I want to talk to you about. After the stories, well, before the stories I'm going to talk with you about, I have a follow-up from one of our stories from last week. And then after that, there's some production things I want to tell you about, things we have coming up. So I'm going to go ahead and start right now. If you'd like to call in, leave a comment, a question about what you're listening to right now, the phone number is 325-261-0892. Phone number is 325-261-0892. 325-261-0892. Again, that is 325-261-0892. One of the things I'm going to talk to you about after I talk about some of these stories is I told you about production, things we're working on. And one of the things involves my decaffeination. It's been about four weeks since I've had a cup of coffee. Four weeks. I, I keep doing that. I meant four days. I'm thinking about the word days, and it comes out as weeks. It's been four days, I'm going to tell you. And it's not because I'm not drinking coffee that I get weeks and days mixed up. At least I don't think so. I'm going to talk to you about why the story I'm working on is a, is a story I'm working on. I'm going to tell you about that after we talk about this stories. First up, I believe it's about two weeks ago, we talked about a family that was abducted, an entire family, a mother and father and a child that was abducted in California. And they caught the abductor. Um, let's go ahead and listen to this footage. Part of me doesn't even want to call this person a human. I think this is not not a human being. This is this is evil. Dozens of family members and supporters gathered at the courthouse in Merced Monday filled with grief. Jesus Delgado made his first court appearance over video while wearing a bulletproof vest. The judge read his charges. Count one alleges murder. I'm going to stop it right there. This is a video that I'm looking at. I'm playing for you. And Jesus Delgado is not wearing a bulletproof vest. This is ignorance on the reporter's part. So I'm going to correct her. It's a suicide vest that they have uh, inmates wear if they're a suicide risk. So I'm going to continue. There's going to be a link to all these audio clips videos I'm playing in the show notes. So continuing. With multiple Hours earlier, prosecutors charged the 48-year-old with four counts of first-degree murder with special circumstances, along with arson and possession of a firearm by a felon. Mandy Bela is a family member of the victims and says seeing Salgado in the courtroom was painful. And just the demeanor, it's just, it's still with me, that demeanor of as if he didn't do anything wrong and who expects to lose four lives right and as you we process our grief it's it's hard enough to lose one person investigators say salgado abducted the four victims at gunpoint from their family business on highway 59 last monday salgado was arrested tuesday and on wednesday the search for the family came to a tragic end the bodies of eight-month-old Aruhi Derry, her parents, Jazz Deep Singh and Jasmine Kaur, and her uncle, Amandeep Singh, were found in an orchard near Dos Palos. 
Deputies say Salgado tried to take his own life before he was taken into custody. His brother, Alberto Salgado, is accused of helping with the crimes. He was arrested for a criminal conspiracy, accessory, and destroying evidence. He also has been arrested, but not charged. Today, the victim's loved ones said they will continue to fight for justice. We understand that this can be excruciatingly, painfully slow, um, but we will support law enforcement, the system, and the way that it needs to be done so that we can make sure that justice is truly served. This is an update from last week. Don't interrupt me. This is an update from last week. It is not a good update. The incident happened on October 3rd. They found the family was, in fact, murdered. They didn't say it here, but Delgado was an employee of this family and their family business. Horrifying. Why do people commit murders like this? There's, let's talk about sin real quick. You know, everybody sins, right? Some people, I want to say, huh, sin unconsciously. We're not talking about the average sin. Like a woman or a man lying about how much they weigh or their height or I've seen people. Actually, it might be the same. I've seen people lie about things that make them look bad. And and that's not exactly the same either, is it? I'm talking about people that are all in on it. Murderers, people that plot and plan to do these things and then they do them, carry them out, and then they cover their tracks. Isn't this a special kind of evil, ladies and gentlemen? And it's not just one. It's always a pattern of things that they've done, these illegal activities. Speaking about illegal activities, I've got a story right here coming from the UK. And uh, there's somebody I know who lives in this town in England. The town is Devon. The name of the woman dubbed Evil Jimma Mitchell. Let me read a little bit of this before I play this this clip for you. I'm looking at the judge and he's wearing the, the powdered wig which I always find interesting. I guess you'd call him, instead of a judge, they call him a magistrate. A self-styled healer has become the first woman in England to be handed a life sentence on television for the profoundly shocking, quote, unquote, murder of her friend whose headless body was dumped in Devon. Two weeks after the murder, she drove more than 200 miles to the seaside town of Silcombe in Devon. So Cumbie, we'll find out how to pronounce that. In Devon, where she left devout Christian Miss Chung's decapitated and badly decomposed body and was... Now, I've studied this case a little bit, and apparently these women were church ladies, and that's where they met. They met in church. Very fascinating. Here's a magistrate talking right now the outset of these remarks that I would return to the issue of mitigating and aggravating features. The sole mitigation is that you are effectively a woman of previous 
good character. Although given the gravity of your crime, in my judgment, that entitles you to only a very modest discount. As to aggravating features, there are the following. <coughs> Firstly, the amount of planning and premeditation that went into this offence, although it is right to acknowledge that this is bound to be an invariable feature of a killing done for gain, and I must avoid double counting in that regard. Secondly, there is the issue of Deborah's mental and physical vulnerability, to which I have already referred, and of which you were very well aware. Thirdly, there is the chilling aspect of what you did to and with her body after you had killed her. You have shown absolutely no remorse, and it appears that you are in complete denial as to what you did, notwithstanding what, in my judgment, amounted to overwhelming evidence against you. The enormity of your crime is profoundly shocking, even more so given your apparent religious devotion, as well as the fact that Deborah Chong was a good friend to you and had shown you great kindness. The sentence of the court is one of life imprisonment, and the minimum term of imprisonment that you will in any event be required to serve will be 34 years. There will be deducted from that term the 475 days that you have spent in custody on remand, and the statutory surcharge will apply. Would you please take the defendant downstairs? So let me tell you about some of the more interesting features of this case. Now said that she is the first woman in England to ever have been sentenced to life on live television. Apparently in England, they don't have uh, television cameras in the court that often they did this time. Maybe that's a part of the shocking, shocking story. So let me give you some of the background on this. The prosecution claimed that Mitchell 38 Jim and Mitchell hatched a plan to murder the vulnerable widow who was known as Deborah after befriending her through a church group. When Miss Chong backed out of giving her 200,000 pounds to pay for repairs to her rundown 4 million pound home, Mitchell killed her and forged a will to inherit the bulk of her estate worth more than 700,000 pounds. And I'm going to read this this next sentence to you because it's shocking too. The trained osteopath, that's right, she was an osteopath, who boasted online of her award-winning skill in human dissection had denied having anything to do with Chong's death but declined to give evidence at her trial. She stood impassively in the dock as she was found guilty of murder while Miss Chong's family in Malaysia watched the verdict via video link on Thursday. 
Judge Richard Marks Casey was broadcast, handing down his sentence to Mitchell at the Old Bailey. Ladies and gentlemen, be care, be very careful of people you meet that you don't know, especially people that ask you for things. Because if you don't give it, sometimes, sometimes they might take it. This was a shocking story. I heard about within the last two days. Very, 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 very shocking. And I couldn't get the whole story unless I went to the Daily Mail. Again, here in the United States, it's disgusting how much our our news is, uh, it is censored. And maybe that's a draw for you to come and listen to Midnight Radio. You can see our stories on midnightrad.io. Our documentaries are on there. And we give you some real news, some real stories. Here's one right now. There's going to be a link to all this in the show notes. And you can see the pictures of this family in case you're listening to this and wonder what they look like. There was a family. The headline is this, for example... Neighbors of Oklahoma family killed in murder-suicide. Describe harrowing moment. Good Samaritans rushed into the burning home only to pull out blood-soaked bodies. As this revealed, family suffered under crushing $100,000 debts. This seems like a theme in the last three stories. That's assuming the first of the family that was kidnapped had to deal with money. They say the love of money is the root of all evil. Not that loving, not that money is evil, but the love of it is the root of all evil. Let me tell you something. If you do love money, then a little bit or any amount at all is never enough. And it's easy to get in debt. That's the illusion. There's one thing of the illusion of money. You have real money and you want more. But imagine... You don't have real money, and what you have is debt, or the, I'm sorry, credit, the ability to have debt is what credit is, but it's not real, and you want more and more things from this, so here are the facts. Six children were found dead in a burning home, that's right, that was six children in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. This story hit me particularly hard because I'm broadcasting to you live dressed in black from the plains of Texas, Oklahoma. I could throw a rock and hit the border of Oklahoma from here. Maybe I'll launch the rock. This was Thursday. In the week, I'm broadcasting to you right now. The two There were two adults and six children. Police said they believe the children did not die in the fire and said they were investigating it as a possible murder-suicide. A neighbor told DailyMail.com she saw neighbors dragging the parents out of the burning house, the father dead, the mother shot in the head and dying. On Saturday, the father of the man found dead outside the house said the couple was struggling to look after their six children. Brian Nelson, 34, suffered a head injury at work in his early 20s 
and was crippled by terrible headaches. Wife, Brittany, 32, had never worked and homeschooled. The Nelsons filed for bankruptcy in December 2020 and were unemployed with $130,000 in debt, over $127,000 of that in student loans. They'd rented their home for the past eight years on Tuesday. The Nelsons asked their landlord to turn the gas off, saying they suspected a leak. Hmm. It's very sad. Oh, my gosh. So maybe this did had nothing to do with the love of money, but maybe it had to do with two parents that felt like they couldn't go on anymore because of circumstances in their life. It's, that, this is even sadder. Those poor children had nothing to do with it. An Oklahoma mother has now told how she watched in horror as neighbors pulled two parents out of their burning home, only to later learn that their six children were dead inside in what is now believed to be a murder-suicide. The children were aged from 1 to 13, were found dead inside the burning home. There's a picture of the parents in the story. Picture of the children. Picture of the house that they rented before it was burned. Brian Nelson, that is a suspect, the dead suspects. Father. No, actually, Brian Nelson was a suspect. He reported in a bankruptcy filing that he grossed 4510 in income in 2019 while his wife had no income. They had 8803 in assets, including eight guns worth $1,800, five pistols valued at $1,600, 22 worth 100 and two shotguns worth 150 The neighbor who lives next door said she saw the smoke billing from the house shortly after 4 p.m. on Thursday and drove to the house to see what was going on, arriving even before the fire trucks reached the home. This is her statement. There were two guys there, said Childs, that's her name. One of them had already gone into the house and pulled out the woman. She was face down. So she's lying there, and I was trying to see if she was alive. You could see her back moving. She was breathing. She said that she was told the two men who were dragging the bodies out were neighbors. Then I could see the guy drag the father out. He had blood all over his shirt. The guy said the man was dead. Again, this is in the burning house. That's why they're taking the bodies out, but the woman wasn't going to make it. Child said that she had been shot in the head. She said other neighbors told her they heard a loud boom before the fire, like a transformer, Child said, but no gunshots. Child said the immediate neighbor, neighbors were baffled by the vents and no one noticed any rose or disturbance at the home. Chris Welch, the couple's landlord, said the Nelsons had ridden the home for the past eight years. She said the couple informed her they wanted the gas turned off. They thought there was a gas leak, so they wanted the gas shut off, which was odd to her because it was cold and they have children. It's like they wanted to be left alone. 
They didn't want me to do anything about it, which I thought was weird too. And then two days later, this. Danny Nelson's Brian father said that he'd been due to babysit the children that evening. Brian, the second age 13 granddaughter, Brantley, nine grandsons, Vegeta, seven, Ragnar, five, and Kurgan, two, and one-year-old granddaughter, Britannica. Five came and went, then it was six. I texted them, no responses. I'm going to read some of the comments here for you on this story. This is again from dailymail.co.uk. That poor mother, years of abuse by family, and then to have six children with 12 years, all at home, all day with no reprieve from some of them going to school. A disabled husband, she may have been the one to end their lives. Those poor innocent children never had a chance. Why do poor people continue to have these very large families? And now that the government is governing women's bodies, we will have many more of these types of sad situations. Wow. Wife was talented enough to homeschool multiple children but unable to handle an actual job. He had a house full of guns and prayed to God. What could possibly go wrong? Nobody has a family they can rely on for help. My God, that is so tragic. America does not have free health care. How can they expect to tackle the epidemic of mental health issues that drive these tragedies shaking my head? Well, supposedly we do have free health care, but we don't. I'm going to have to back this up a little bit. Have you heard of the Delphi murders? Here's what happened. Libby and Abby went missing on 13th of February, 2017, after they set off on a hike along the Manon High Bridge Trail in Delphi, Indiana. Their bodies were discovered the next day in a wooded area around half a mile off the trail for years. Police have refused to say how the girls died and have revealed few details about the crime scene. However, shocking new details about the murders came to light in a search warrant application obtained by the podcast, The Murder Sheet, and shared with The Independent back in May. Again, I'm getting the story from independent.co.uk. The warrant filed by an FBI agent investigating the murders back in 2017 and partly redacted was to carry out a search warrant on the home of a local man, Ronald Logan. Those girls were so young. In it, the agent revealed that the girls had lost a lot of blood during their deaths and that their killers believed to have moved and staged their bodies before taking some sort of souvenir from the scene. For the first time, the warrant also revealed that the teenagers had been killed by some type of weapon. The word for the weapon was redacted in the document. The murderer would have been covered in the victim's blood in the aftermath of the slayings due to the large amount of blood that was lost by the victims at the crime scene, it reads. Because of the nature of the victim's wounds, it is nearly certain the perpetrator of the crime would have gotten blood all over his person. 
chilling footage of the suspect. On the day the girls went missing, Libby had posted some photos on Snapchat of her and Abby walking along the trail. The happy image of the two best friends is believed to be the last photo of them before they died. In a move that propelled the investigation forward, Libby also captured a grainy video on her phone of a man dressed in blue jeans, a blue jacket, and a cap walking along the abandoned the abandoned railroad bridge. Investigators released a grainy image from the video and a chilling audio of the man telling the two girls, go down the hill. Investigators have long suspected that this man is the girl's killer and have praised the girls for documenting the video's evidence. Up until now, the man has never been identified. Police gave the description of the man as a white male, aged between 16 and 40 years old, between 5'6 and 5'10 in height, and weighing between 180 and 200. Multiple police sketches were circulated of a man matching the description of the man in the footage. Here's some other names tied to the case, and I'm going to go tell you the man that's arrested for this. The arrest of Mr. Allen's marks the very first time his name has been publicly tied to the unsolved murders. Over the years, authorities have honed in on several other men. A 27-year-old Indiana man fell under the spotlight last year when the online account he used to groom underage girls online was tied to the teenage victims. His home had been searched on suspicion of child porn charges just two weeks after the 2017 murders. In, in December 2021, Indiana State Police announced that officials had uncovered a fake online profile called Anthony Shots. The profile was used from 2016 to 2017 on platforms including Snapchat and Instagram and used photos of a known male model portraying him as being extremely wealthy and owning numerous sports cars. Investigators said the person behind the account was Keegan Anthony Klein, 27 years old man with address, addresses in Kokomo and Peru close to Delphi. According to an affidavit, Klein posed as the model in order to groom underage girls and get them to send nude photos in their addresses and try to get them to meet him. The male model whose photos was used had no connection to the case. Klein was arrested on charges of child sexual abuse images and child exploitations tied to the account in 2020. He allegedly admitted to investigators that he groomed underage girls online. Wow. You guys need to be careful about your children being groomed online. Klein allegedly told investigators he would use social media accounts to talk to underage girls and had exchanged messages with and received about 100 sexual photos and about 20 sexually Explicit videos from around 15 underage girls. Oh, this makes me want to vomit. However, he denied any involvement or involvement in the two teenage, two teenagers' death. He was charged with 30 felonies in 2020. I hope he enjoys his time in prison. Now, you can read the rest of this article. There's the gist of it. Let me tell you about the man they arrested. And you can tell from this video that that pedophilia that was arrested and the man in the video are not the same person. But you're looking at the man that was arrested and it does look like him. 
His name was Richard Allen. It's not clear what information has led to Mr. Allen's arrest now, more than five years on from the 2017 slayings. In August, Indiana State Police were spotted searching the Wabash River in Peru around 40 minutes east of Delphi in connection to the case. At the time of the murders, Mr. Allen would have been 44 years old. The 50-year-old now is a local resident of Delphi where the teenage girls lived with their families. According to online records, Mr. Allen has lived in Delphi since at least 2006 and in Indiana his whole adult life. He is married and works as a pharmacy technician. No doubt a fine, outstanding member of the community, and I bet they found all kinds of stuff on his computer, didn't they? He received his most recent pharmaceutical license in 2018, one year on from the murders. A resident of Delphi said that Mr. Allen currently works at the local CVS store, coming into contact with members of the community as part of his jobs. And uh, they say he was just like a normal guy, but I've seen the last couple of years not really thinking anything. Mr. Underhill, the one that gave the statement, said that Mr. Allen always seemed normal when he would come into the pub where he works. Here in the USA, we call it bars, but again, this story comes from the UK where they have real journalists. I would talk. He wouldn't say much. He seems like a normal guy, he said. One of my servers said that he didn't speak much. Mr. Allen appears to have no prior criminal record. However, the Carroll County Jail record lists Mr. Allen as also going by the alias of Craig Ross Renfro. Ah, disgusting. These stories, these people. There's going to be links to these stories in the show notes of wherever you get this podcast. You can get it on Apple. You can get it on Google and five other places. If you want to call in with a comment or question about these these stories, the number is 325-261-0892. You need to keep your children safe and yourself safe. I'm telling you, I've seen a lot go on online. I've seen a lot of people conning money, people that you wouldn't expect to grift uh, con money out of people i've seen some of the more most horrific people i've ever met have been been online and you need to take care of people run away from these people at every turn matter of fact before i go to the next story here I, i i wrote down some advice for you guys and i think you should take it to heart and um some of this advice can let you know when you run into these people, they fall into some of these categories. I want you to be wary of people who say horrible things about others. They will also say horrible things about you behind your back, but also there's plotting and scheming and horrible, horrible things in their mind. Here's something I also found to be true. Women who don't have anything interesting to say or women of no substance, 
They don't have anything to say. They'll often fill the conversation with complaints. So think about these things. And often, um, if you've noticed that people will tell you who they are, watch your children, people. Watch your children. Young women, you got to be careful. Everybody needs to be careful about these things. So there's a woman, this is from last week, who escaped a sex dungeon in Missouri. She tells police her captor killed two of her friends. This happened in Excelsior Springs, Missouri. Authorities say that the malnourished woman fled from Timothy Haslett Jr. last week after the 39-year-old took his child to school. Ah, family man. The alarm was raised when she ran barefoot to a neighbor's home in Excelsior Springs wearing a latex dress and a metal dog collar with a padlock around her neck and begged for help. The woman told police that she had been picked up in Kansas City in early September and been kept in restraints in a small room built in the basement of the house where she had been raped and whipped. Lisa Johnson told the news outlet that she had been shocked when the woman arrived at her home in obvious distress. She was wearing a very, very short black latex dress, which appeared opened up in places, and you could plainly see what she'd been through. She was clearly dehydrated and very malnourished, super skinny, she was maybe no more than 70 pounds. Short hair, although not matted, not dirty. She said that when the, she told the woman she was calling the police, she panicked and told her that her captor would kill her. She said he had been holding her, wouldn't let her go, and that he was going to kill her, and he had killed her two friends. The woman then left and went to the house of another neighbor, Sierra Tharp, whose grandmother answered the door to her, you've got to help me. I've been held captive. I've been raped. You've got to help me. He's going to end up killing me, the girl repeatedly told Tharp's grandmother. My grandmother brought her in, wrapped a blanket around her, went and got her some food and water. She was pretty hungry. And my grandma sat with her and held her until the police came. Miss Tharp said the woman also told her that the suspect had allegedly killed her friends. She told her my friends didn't make it. He'd killed my friends. The suspect has been charged with rape and killing, with rape and kidnapping, excuse me, and will be held back in court on October 18th. Judge entered, Judge um, Lewis Engels entered a not guilty plea on Hassel's behalf on charges of first-degree rape or attempted rape, first-degree kidnapping, second-degree assault. He's jailed on 500,000 bond and told the court on Tuesday that he needs a public defender to represent him. Senior I-Team reporter Jessica McMaster sat in on the court hearing this afternoon. She joins us from Clay County. 
Investigators say Timothy Hazlitt Jr. kept a woman captive in his basement in a small room he built himself. He's charged with rape and kidnapping. Today, a judge entered a not guilty plea as Hazlitt awaits to be appointed a public defender. Timothy Hazlitt Jr. made his first court appearance Friday afternoon. The bearded 39-year-old is accused of holding a woman captive in his basement for nearly a month until she escaped, knocking on doors Friday morning, pleading for help. She didn't have much of a voice. So it was more like a light help me. Lisa Johnson says she looked out her window to see a woman walking up her front stairs in need of help. Johnson called 911. As I did, she started to go next door. It frightened her. She told me if I called the cops that he'd kill us both. Next door is where Sierra Tharp's grandmother lives. She heard a woman screaming and came knocking on the door. So she opened the door. Tharp says her grandmother brought the woman inside. The lady said, you have to help me. Um, I've been raped. I've been held captive. Court records reveal at the time of her escape, the victim was wearing a metal collar with a padlock, had duct tape around her neck, and was dressed in a trash bag. The same thing reported by witnesses. She had a metal dog collar around her neck, and she could see the ligature marks on her wrists. And my grandma sat there and she talked to her and stuff till the police came. The victim tells investigators she was raped repeatedly and whipped by Hazlitt, handcuffed at the ankles and wrists, and held captive since September. She tells investigators she escaped when Hazlitt took his child to school. Johnson says... One thing I think is interesting about this, and this is obviously the news story that the, the article I read to you came from, they're not saying anything about her being reported missing. Maybe there's a reason for that because you could find her name out if you saw that. I'm not sure. But, wow, this is really something. Um, after this, and I, matter of fact, I think I'll stop it right here because there's another video here. And there is um, 10 things you should know about him on on this. I'll give you the link. Let me. Okay, uh, for you, for those of you that weren't here earlier, my name's Lieutenant Ryan Dowdy. Last is D O W D Y with the Excelsior Springs Police Department. Um, just an update as far as what you guys got from earlier. So, this is going to be a multi-day process. Um, this crime scene is going to remain in place for multiple days. It is going to hinder traffic flow and residents through this area. Um, we have multiple agencies out here that are helping us. What's getting ready to happen is the Kansas City Crime Scene Unit, which has been great through this entire thing. They're going to wrap up what they've done for this evening. Uh, they'll be finishing that within the next hour or two. And then they will be coming back in the morning, first thing, and we'll be going at it again. So um, this is an ongoing, we continue to find more and more stuff. Um, the dog that was out here earlier that many of you saw, that's a cadaver dog. Um, we can't report on the actual findings of the dog yet. They're going to give us an actual report. As soon as we get that report from them, we're going to let you guys know. Um, so they did come out. They did a thorough search of the grounds. There was a truck that was here earlier. That truck has been moved into an evidence holding area for us. The cadaver dog has went down there and is also checking the truck. So we're just trying to cross our T's and dot our I's on this. Um, at some point, this whole area is going to be secured at this. So really, that's all the information we have right now. Um, I looked at it a little bit. Um, this is information that is reported from other news sources. 
the woman that escaped was black and of course a serial killer well they think he might some people think he might be a serial killer but he's only charged with kidnapping and raping they haven't found any other bodies to say to prove that he killed her friends this might just be something he said to her which in uh, certain situations like that you could understand that he could convince her of so he was white she was black the black community in Kansas are urging authorities to investigate some missing black women from the area and thinking this might this man might be a serial killer. But from the information I've gleaned, they don't have any dead bodies surrounding this man. Yet when they do, I will let you know here. I'll give you an update on that. All right, so this is also an update. There were five people murdered, and they were workmen. Um, they look, I mean, blue-collar construction workers were found beheaded in a body of water. In Georgia, well, they found the man that did this. They found him. Did I say Georgia. He was arrested in Georgia. So a man arrested in Georgia has confessed to murdering five people in South Carolina. James Douglas Drayton, 24, was taken into custody in Georgia's Burke County on Monday morning after he allegedly committed an armed robbery and fled the scene in a stolen vehicle. The authorities said was registered a family member of one of the victims in the South Carolina Spartanburg County, about 145 miles away. He confessed to the crime. Spartanburg County Sheriff Chuck Wright said during a press conference on Tuesday, he basically said he had been hearing voices. Not sure what that means for him, but he knew he had been using meth and had been up for like four days. He hadn't slept in days, probably not thinking. The murders took place over the weekend in the town of Inman at a home that Wright described as a safe haven for drug use. Deputies from the Spartanburg County Sheriff's Office responded to a death call at the residence on Bobo Drive on Sunday evening. Upon arrival, deputies discovered four people who'd been shot to death, identified as Thomas Ellis Anderson, 37, Adam Daniel Morley, 32. A fifth victim was, was found still showing signs of life. All, all the victims were drug users and known to the murderer. Says he gave a full confession. This is horrible. But wait a second. This doesn't sound like the bodies that were found, does it? I stand corrected. This is another murderer. Oh, my goodness. Well, let me see. Five beheaded. Oh, these are dark stories. All right, real quickly. I'm going to tell you about my decaffeination. I'll tell you what, these stories. The world can be really evil out there. I found out that one thing that really evil, and I'm not joking, is coffee. I'm working on a story now called 100 Days. Um, it's 100 Days to Completely Turn Around Your Life. And I didn't embark on this story because of depression, not at all. But I always thought 
you know, people that become really depressed and consider committing suicide, what if you just hit pause and did something drastic that didn't involve murdering yourself? Let's say you, you, and this would completely change your life. You decided to go on a, I don't know, a world cruise or let's say you decided to learn a foreign language and then interact with people from that country. Wouldn't that be something drastic and didn't involve murder and it could completely change your life? The off, often the mind makes you think that you can't do, do things, but it's something to think about. That has nothing to do with the 100 days, but in the guise of doing something drastic. So here's something drastic. Here's an example of that. Stopping coffee. Exercise. Uh, And you say, oh, well, you know, I don't have time. No, one of the drastic things you can do is make time especially if you stop drinking coffee. Let's say you only start, go down to four hours a day of sleeping, which is something that you could actually do with if you stop coffee. I got to go. I'm running out of time. I'll tell you this. I'm going to tell you more about this coming up. There's a review for the light phone too, and that is also part of the 100 days to change your life. You can see the review of that on, on our YouTube channel. Look at Midnight Radio on YouTube. All that, we have the links links to all the ways you can get our podcast, which is the only way you can get this podcast. Right there on Midnight Radio. Until next time, God bless. And make sure you keep an eye on your children, people. Be wary. Be wary of everything. Next time I see you guys, and I'm I'm pretty sure it's going to be real soon, I'm going to have a schedule, my broadcast schedule coming up soon i want to talk about a conversation i had with a man about lsd and tripping and how it opened up his mind to the world and the things he learned and the things these creatures he met told him we're going to talk about discernment and confusion next time on midnight radio